Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. This podcast is sponsored by TheraWorks Relief. Many of you get sore, achy legs from standing all day or get asked about painful foot and leg cramps. If so, you're going to want to hear about TheraWorks Relief, a clinically proven topical foam that prevents and relieves muscle cramps and soreness. Learn more at theraworksrelief.com. We've got some great guests lined up for this year. And we have some new ways for our listeners to get connected to us. We have a new private Facebook group for Talk to Your Pharmacist listeners. For those of you who are interested in networking, advocacy, and leadership, I'll be doing some Facebook Lives within this group so that you can ask questions. Be sure to check out the Facebook page, Talk to Your Pharmacist, for more details, or follow our Instagram, Talk to Your Pharmacist, to find more about this new Facebook group. And if you're a student, we have a new resource available over at residencybootcamp.teachable.com. We've compiled all of our webinars and other resources into an on-demand training program to help make sure you are residency interview ready. So check it out over at residencybootcamp.teachable.com. And now for our special guest who is the founder of the Pharmacist Guide, we have Dr. Joanna Lewis. All right, so today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest, Dr. Joanna Lewis, is the 340B Compliance Coordinator at Baptist Health in Jacksonville, Florida, and creator of the Pharmacist Guide blog. Joanna is a graduate of MUSC School of Pharmacy and the Citadel's MBA program. She's worked in a variety of practice settings and began the Pharmacist Guide blog as a way to connect with other pharmacists. Joanna, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, thanks for joining us. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill in any gaps from that intro and maybe share a little bit more about your personal life. Sure. Um, First of all, I've had a lot of experience in a lot of different practice settings. And mainly, I'm blaming this on my husband, but um, mainly because he was in med school when we met. And then Through his residency and his first job, we moved around a lot. So I was able to, um, my first job, I did community pharmacy, and then I did part-time at a small hospital, and I got a wealth of experience there. Um, And then we ended up in North Carolina for um, five or six years. So that's, the area I was in was um, Research Triangle Park, which is such a hub of great healthcare. So I got um, some clinical experience there and administration, and then we moved down to Florida, and that's where we are currently. Awesome. Um, Yeah, it's neat how a lot of times pharmacists are often end up marrying other pharmacists or doctors (laughs) and kind of have a little healthcare family. So um, neat to hear about that. 
So, uh, Joanna, can you share a little bit more about your journey of starting the Pharmacist Guide and what that is? Definitely. So, in two of the two of my roles, I worked. One, I was a clinical pharmacist, and I worked very closely um, daily with clinicians. And what I found is everyone pretty much liked the work they did, but kind of, um, there was just so much negativity everywhere, either about administration or, um, you know, against different healthcare providers. And then I moved to administration and kind of saw a different side of it. Um, where I worked there, the administration team was such a positive, um, group of people and they really were trying to do the best they could, but often there was a disconnect between administration and maybe the clinicians, like they still were a little disgruntled. So with the pharmacist guide, um, my initial, the initial reason I started, first of all, I, we had moved from this job that I loved, um, for my husband's job and I didn't really know anyone. And I wanted to jump back into the world of pharmacy and I just wanted to connect with people in a positive way. And there weren't a lot of people on social media and healthcare at that time, but internationally, there were a lot of people who uh, I connected with and it just seemed like, um, I was just getting a lot of good feedback. And then students, mentoring students was always one of my favorite things to do at all of my jobs. So I kind of tried to have little sections for students, like um, how to do, or how to, or what do pharmacists do? Why you should go to pharmacy school? um, You know, how to get a residency interview, things like that. And it kind of just took off from there. I've been able to connect with a lot of pharmacists. And the more I have done the pharmacist guide, I do see there is a lot of positivity in our profession, but there is still a lot of negativity. So that's what um, we'll talk about later, how Ashley and I are kind of trying to address that. Yeah, well, that that's neat. And, and yes, because you've uh, built up a big following. If anyone uh, is on Instagram, definitely check out um, Joanna's Instagram profile. She's uh, got a great following and put some great positive messages on there. Um, And you can find her at the Pharmacist Guide. Uh, And so, you know, talking about some of the things that you guide pharmacists in on uh, with the blog is kind of about positivity, um, mentoring students. Are there any other particular topics that um, people are particularly interested in? Right now, I'm talking a lot. So for me, I kind of walk through my journey as well. Like I have had to go through a lot of um, maybe personal ups and downs just or things I've had to work through as a practitioner. Like how do I address burnout? How do I address work-life balance? Um, I had my first child when I was at a very busy, intense job that I had been working maybe 10 hours a day and I had to cut back. And um, it was just a struggle for me just because I felt like I should be home, but I should be working and where's my heart at. So I kind of try to talk through that and mainly just share my story and how I navigated it. And maybe I could you know, obviously that might not work for everyone, but hopefully I'll be able to help a few people along the way. Yeah. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about the 
book that you're working on with our mutual friend, Ashley Clemens Hayes, uh, with who is the founder of RX Ashley. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Okay. So first of all, I met Ashley just through social media and she has been such like a light in our field. I feel like she, um, I feel like we kind of share the same message and we're trying to get the same points across. So meeting her was just very um, serendipitous, I guess. And the more we talked, um, the message that we're trying to get out is the same. And I love writing. So that's hence the pharmacist guide. Um, I write occasionally for Pharmacy Times. And that's really my medium and how I connect with people. And um, I told her, like, this has always been a dream of mine. I wanted to write a book. And basically, she almost... What's missing is for me, I've always just been the kind of person, like I have it in my head. I know what I want to write. I've been making outlines for years, but actually like doing it is a whole different story. And Ashley was really, she coached me through just like starting, like just start and we'll see where it goes. And basically we address, um, we address burnout in the book. We address, um, you know, a lot of practitioners, how you feel stuck or how you feel like, Either you're tied to your job because of the money, like the golden handcuffs, or because you feel like the job market is bad, or you feel like I didn't do a residency, I can't, you know, certain jobs are closed to me. So we talk about all of that. And then just really taking your life to the next level um, and how we can elevate our pharmacy profession. Yeah, no, that's exciting. And what's the book called? It's called The Pharmacist's Guide to... Um, it's pretty much to elevating your profession or elevating your practice. But we talk about, yeah, um, yeah defi- or redefining your goals, following your dreams, and elevating your practice. And that will be out this spring or summer spring. of twenty nineteen. Yes, we are shooting for okay. February or March. So very awesome. Soon, yeah. Very soon. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Um, uh, we'll have that in the show notes so anyone can check out that. Um, and so, Joanna, you have obviously had a lot of different opportunities within pharmacy, but how did you decide to pursue your MBA? Because a lot of pharmacy schools have a dual MBA program or, you know, sometimes people do decide to go back. What what were your some of your decision points in um, choosing to get your MBA? So when I was applying to pharmacy schools, um, this kind of, and we talk about this in the book too, about non-traditional pharmacy roles. My role, and I know you and I talked about this before, I had always envisioned myself working for the FDA or maybe um, for industry in some sort of capacity with compliance and quality and regulatory, which it's funny how that's what my job is right now. But um, so I didn't really see myself as maybe going the full residency route. I re- um, connected more to the MBA side and to the finance side. So when I applied to pharmacy schools, um, the pharmacy school that I went to was MUSC. The first year they had an MBA program. It was the first year that they were doing it. And it's funny because the person who started the program and who was the director of MUSC at the time, their pharmacy was Dr. Paul Bush. And then I ended up working for him at Duke maybe like five years later. So it's kind of funny how it all worked out. Back to the question about 
an MBA. I did summer school and then like one class a semester was our MBA class. So it was a little bit of an extra workload with pharmacy school, but it never felt like that just because the classes were so different and just challenging in a different way. I loved it. Oh, gotcha. So you did it while you were in pharmacy school, but it was just through the Citadel, kind of a joint partnership. Yeah, it was a joint. um, Got it. And our electives kind of covered, cross-covered a little bit. But um, yeah, there was probably about 10 10 people in my class who did it. Yeah. Wow. Um, so how would you say it's helped you, you know, get to your current role, um, which is a 340B compliance officer? And then maybe you can tell us like what exactly 340B might, a very, very, um, general overview and kind of, um, the importance of that role. Yeah. So first of all, my MBA helped me a lot, um, at my role at Duke in administration, just because, um, you know, it's, it's, pretty much a lot of management training and leadership training. And, you know, you throw in accounting too, but it was a lot of project management, which is what I did at Duke. So with 340B, all of my experience from that comes from either like the regulatory and quality stuff that I did while I worked um, as a pharmacist at Duke or with my MBA, I've done a lot of the finance And right now, um, you know, there's a lot of changing regulations. So just keeping up with the regulations, um, working with our purchasing department, it's kind of an ongoing, um, especially even now with the shutdown right now. And there were a lot of um, new 340B regulations that went into effect in January. So it's exciting. I love it. It's kind of um, my passion within pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was telling you earlier before we started recording that um, that I had been involved with with the 340B program as an intern uh, at, at the Health Resources and Services Administration's Office of Pharmacy Affairs, which is a really small um, group within the federal government that administers the 340B program, which is a government-administered program um, basically to allow any safety net organization um, like a federally qualified health center or a disproportionate share hospital. Um, There are several other um, covered entities, uh, as they're called, that are eligible to get discounted um, prices on medications um, through manufacturers, and the manufacturers are required to per- required to participate if they are participating um, with the you know different Medicaid and Medicare programs, um, which they all of course do. So um, it's been around since I believe 1992, and it's changed a lot. And I'm sure if anyone just googled 340B, there's a lot of um, lot of um, different pros and cons uh, that you'll see out there. Um, but it certainly helps uh, to you know get hospitals like where you are in Jacksonville um, to stretch those resources to be able to care for. Um, patients in need that are that are going to the hospital. So lots of regulations, of course, for you to, to stay up to date with um, because it is a federally uh, um, administered program. But 
Um, so Joanna, how do you stay current about what's going on in healthcare and more specifically within the pharmacy field? So, well, first of all, Hillary, thank you for that good overview of 340B. I totally just was talking and assuming everyone knew what it is, but, um, you're right. It is a very complicated program. So with pharmacy, I try to attend meetings. I went to mid-year last year and basically, especially with 340B, I just read a lot and there's always something changing, um, with new drugs being, you know, with the drug shortages, we kind of have to always have a backup plan for that. And that is a lot of 340B. So basically I just read a lot and then I network and we just have, you know, a lot of meetings within our pharmacy department and try to stay on top of things. Yeah, definitely. I think meetings and networking are certainly a great way to stay involved. Um, So what excites you most about the future of pharmacy? So I think, especially nowadays um, with social media and just even if you go on social media and look at all the pharmacists who are active, I think that we're at such a great place in our profession. We're starting to kind of um, shed the old way of doing things and embrace um, change, I think. I think pharmacy has been such a traditional profession that we always do things the same way. And technology has just taken off so we can um, connect to our patients in a whole different way. And I think jumping on top of that and just being a resource for our patients is one of the most exciting things. And then secondly, I think um, I think it was last week in Ohio with, with provider status. I believe that's going to be, it's, I don't think it's an if question now. I just think it's a when question. Like when is when are all the states going to have provider status? So I think getting our profession to band together, and even if we can get some sort of continuity with how we approach provider status, and we all either develop practice guidelines um, and just showcase how much we know and how much we can offer. Um, I've seen a lot of pharmacists kind of going towards the nutrition route, which I think is amazing because we do have so much with functional medicine and with nutrition to offer there. Um, what do you think? I know you're involved in a lot of this too. Yeah, I I agree. I think that it is exciting to see, um, you know, every state uh, differs in their um, Pharmacy Practice Act. And so it's interesting because I talk with pharmacists all over the country in my role with Dispensary of Hope, and you, you see variations in practice. And we've talking, we've talked a lot about as a profession, how do we, um, how do we, you know, standardize that so that when someone goes to the pharmacy in Florida and Tennessee, then they get the same type of experience um, with a pharmacist. And so I think that, you know, different states who are kind of um, leading the way and championing uh, all of the different services that pharmacists can provide is exciting. We've been working on that at the federal level for quite a while uh, with the um Medically Underserved uh, Act, which kind of ties back into uh, underserved populations. Um, and I agree. I think the nutritional and functional medicine aspect is going to be a big 
area for pharmacy to step in and, and pharmacogenomics. Um, it's definitely something, you know, we've got to keep looking at, at, you know, what are the things that we as pharmacists are really good at when, you know, we're the medication experts. And so pharmacogenomics and, um, you know, nutrient depletion or things like that, where the whole like nutrition kind of comes in and, um, associated with medications and then just overall adherence. So it is, it's exciting. And, and as you pointed out, in the beginning, the social media um, aspect is a great way to be able to connect with others. And I am just kind of getting on the bandwagon with that. Um, And so finding, you know, my voice with talk to your pharmacist on Instagram and some of the other um, platforms, but it's great to yeah, that's how I even was able to exactly. connect with you was, was Ash- <laughs> Ashley said, hey, interview Joanna. She's doing some neat things. So um, it that's really fun. So as our final question, Joanna, what is some advice that you would share with your younger self or for other pharmacists who are just getting started in their career? Um, I guess two things piggybacking off of what we just talked about with the projects. Um, I think the new wave of pharmacy students and graduates has such an eager energy and I don't want them to get bogged down or to get discouraged by maybe if there's older disgruntled pharmacists, which they're in every profession, there's, you know, jaded people, but I do feel like pharmacy kind of is very depleting, which is again, why Ashley and I are addressing burnout so much. But I want you younger students out there or you new graduates just to jump on your project and champion it. Don't let other people um, talk you out of it. If you see a hole or if you see something that needs to be done, I think go for it. Um, And then second of all, or secondly, when I was a, a new pharmacist, I took everything personally. Um, and I do think it added to me just being, I would just go home and be so emotionally exhausted. I'd be too tired to exercise or too tired to do other things. And it was because I didn't know how to, at that point, really practice self-care and any patient at the pharmacy who was mad, any nurse who was mad about her medicine or any doctor who was upset about something, I just internalized all of that. And I think having an outlet for that or a healthy, um, just a healthy view that, you know, they're mad at the system, don't internalize it. You know, these are sick patients. I think I would have probably just, especially in my first year or two, been a lot more effective. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think that... Um, that kind of goes back to like how a lot of times there's the disconnect between administration and, um, you know, a staff or clinical pharmacist. And um, you've kind of just got to really focus on communication. And then also it's how you choose to receive information, you know, like you choose how you're going to be. And, um, you know, it is a choice in not taking things personally and thinking about it from a bigger um, and broader perspective. And so I think, you know, for me too, it's just been um, 
wisdom that I've gained a little bit over the years of being out and being in practice and um, just, you know, getting more experience under my belt. But that's such a great point, Joanna. Um, and it was such a, a pleasure to have you as a guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you podcast. so much for having me. It was lovely to be here. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to check out the show notes at www.pharmacyadvisory.com. And thanks again to our sponsor, TheraWorks Relief. It has been flying off the shelves here in the Nashville, Tennessee pharmacies. And I'm sure it is being a great use for patients around in your area as well. Be sure to check it out in the aisles in the pharmacy near you. And finally, if you are a student and getting a little anxious about the residency interview process, we have a resource available now over at residencybootcamp.teachable.com. And we have a whole host of interview questions and other tips from all of the different webinars and things that we've put together. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening.